Film Noir podcast contains adult language and content and sensitive material which may not be suitable for young listeners. Those who feel graphic content discussing traumatic topics such as sexual abuse, violence, and sensitive subjects should listen with caution. Listener discretion is advised. Hi. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hola. The current present. Annyeong. (laughs) Was I right? Annyeong, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, we're pretty diverse, international. Hello, that's culture. Russian. Hello. Privet. Privet is Hello. Russian. That was bad. If that was bad, I'm sorry. We're Russian very multicultural. Listeners. Yeah. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> that's bienvenido a nuestro podcast. Um, hi guys. What's up? Everyone? I'm this voice, the one that's speaking to you presently. <laughs> Is Caroline. And this voice that's also speaking to you presently now is Natalie. So just remember that for the rest of your life. And and then we're good to go. We're good to go. Well, except we need to tell you what, what this podcast is. Oh, this is the Film Noir podcast. Where we talk about the crimes, conspiracies, and scandals that inspired our favorite and probably least favorite films. Yeah. Um, so, should we get into it? Yeah. Let's go. All right. Okay. I feel like most people use their, their laptops, but I'm going to read off my phone, and I hope, I hope you don't get mad at me. I, I won't. That's okay. okay. I understand. I also am, I'm also in the middle of a Kim Kardashian Hollywood challenge. So halfway through this, I are you playing the Kim Kardashian? Of course, app? I'm are we allowed the Kim to Kardashian say Kardashian that? Hollywood Kim, 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 Kim Kardashian, Kardashian sponsor us. us. <laughs> I wish. Oh my god. Oh, what a dream. Oh, real pipe dream for us, I think. Or maybe one day we'll figure out what's going on with Kylie Jenner's billionaire status, and if that's perhaps some sort of crime. <laughs> We could do we a could do that. So we could do a podcast that. episode. Okay. Yeah, we investigate. We actually infiltrate we the Forbes HQ. Well, that's my that's my uh, next. Uh, oh, I wish I knew words better. Endeavor, uh-huh. our next business endeavor, okay. ad- adventure. Nope. My me- my next business venture. That's the okay. thing I was looking sure. for. Yeah, is once we obviously become super famous podcasters, as all podcasters do. We will have our own crime series where we investigate crimes. Oh, unsolved crime crimes s- like the BuzzFeed Unsolved. Can we even say that BuzzFeed Unsolved? BuzzFeed Unsolved, please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, but we'll actually like. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do some. Oh, you want to get involved? You want to put yourself in harm's way? I'll like. I'll do the. You can edit it. I'll do the. I'll do the administrative. Right. I'll work. get a really. I'll just hot organize your files. Private investigator, Mark Ruffalo type guy. I don't think Mark Ruffalo. He's not is a hot. private investigator. You don't think Mark Ruffalo is hot? Okay. That is truly upsetting to me. I I really don't get the appeal. He looks. I don't understand your appeal. <laughs> what does that mean? Um. I yeah, love Mark I Ruffalo. I I I have affection for him. Do you know what I think it is? You know this. My favorite movie is, of course, Now You See Me. He's in that movie, but he's... Oh, is this going to be the spoiler alert? Oh, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Hi, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> in the first movie, he's the bad guy who's trying to stop them. Obviously, 
Well, he's not a bad guy. He plays this sort of unassuming, confused government worker, But, yeah, right? he's the cop trying to shut their shit down. And yeah, I'm but like, no, you need to let Jesse Eisenberg be free. Yeah, but they're also doing something illegal. Like, they're criminals in the movie. I don't... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support their criminal activity. Right, but they're like Robin Hood criminals. They're still doing something <laughs> technically they're illegal. They're sexy-ass criminals, but they are. Oh <laughs> I'm so God. ready for that third movie to be I made. love Mark Ruffalo so much. Did you ever read The Gruffalo as a kid? No. Oh, my God, you never read The Gruffalo? I have no idea what that There's means. There's a children's picture book called The Gruffalo, and it talks about a mystical beast animal in the woods named The Gruffalo, and the Gruffalo has all these, like, each page is dedicated to a different weird physical thing about the Gruffalo. And the only thing I remember is that there Is were, this a Korean book or is this an no, American book? No, it's American. I'm <laughs> Korean. I feel like we should say that on the podcast. Nally is Korean. I don't just assign <laughs> books to Korea. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's a really American, I think, book. I don't know if the author's American or British, but, like, so... Is it... What? It looks like the wild things, like where the wild things are. But he has purple spikes all down his back. And so every time I see Mark Ruffalo, I imagine Mark <laughs> Ruffalo with purple spikes <laughs> on his back. I was really scared of where the wild things lived. Where the wild things, things are. are. With, like, masks. That's, that scared me. I loved it. I, I thought it was so cool. I was, I was a scene I l- so. I literally, like, had... I didn't even have nightmares for some <laughs> reason. It... It almost, like, disgusted me. <laughs> Why? I really didn't like the animals in it. They weren't. Why? They weren't even real animals. I think that's what I. They looked like little owl-lion hybrids, which are two of my favorite animals. So it was, like, two good things for me. I don't think I like their claws. Oh. For some reason, I can really only picture their. I think that's what I made me very uncomfortable. I think <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> What it, I, I saw those creatures and was just like, get that book away from me. I, I, I never wanted. I and then when they made the movie, sure, I, I was watch like, the movie. I, I, I wouldn't even watch the trailer. It made me <laughs> so angry. If I watched a YouTube video and that trailer was right before it and I couldn't skip through it. I just wouldn't watch the YouTube video. <laughs> that is I so funny. I have no idea what it is. Anyway. Oh. I did my mouth. Just disgusting. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> Honestly, I'm worried that people are going to, like, turn it off because they hear us. They're like, this is fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, the sound that I feel like I'm going to make a lot of is a lot of... Ew, why? <laughs> why? Because when I get nervous, my mouth gets dry. Really? When I get nervous, I get congested. So I'm just going to be like... Um, also, we're in L.A. How could we not be? We're podcasting. <laughs> we're starting a podcast, therefore we must be in L.A. Yeah, you legally have to podcast only in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, it's a law. It's a federal or law. Or Los Angeles, Mexico. That's okay, a real city. Perfect. Great. Fun fact. Do you know, I just learned there's a Paris, California... But there's it's a Paris P-E- everywhere. But it's a P-E-R-R-I-S, not a Paris, Paris, France. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> these are the half whole wheat, half normal. I like these better than the buckwheat.
These are the buckwheat as well. You just said half whole wheat, half normal. There, I mean, so you normally, lied to me. Normally it's a third. I'm being gone. <laughs> normally it's a third buckwheat and then two thirds normal. Okay. This is a third buckwheat, a third normal, a third whole wheat. I want you to make me ones. Come on, so rude. My mouth is full. I want ones where there's no buckwheat and it's just whole wheat and regular wheat. Half wheat? <laughs> what is regular wheat? <laughs> just like all purpose. Okay, yeah, I want that. You don't like the buckwheat? You're such a weirdo because you know what buckwheat tastes like. I literally could not even tell you what buckwheat That's not like. weird. That's super Asian. <laughs> Someone's going to call me racist now. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying like Asian, I will argue that most, mm-hmm. I hesitate to say ethnic because that's really bad, but most non-american food has two levels there's actually i would say three levels there's like the bottom level which is accessible to people of all palates Mm -hmm. there's the mid level which is accessible to adventurous foodies me yeah adventurous eaters and people who grew up eating that food and then there's the third level which is only for people who grew up (laughs) eating it otherwise you're gonna think it's funky like, well, I've had buckwheat noodles. Right. But I couldn't even tell you which part of the noodle was buckwheaty. I used to eat I buckwheat know. noodles, like, almost Every at least, day. like, three times a week. No, and I know during it does the summer have a flavor, especially. but I just right. can't tell you what that flavor is. Kind of tastes like dirt. You think <laughs> it tastes like dirt? No. I like these. But compared but the to buckwheat the buckwheat flavor is too strong for me. The ones that we had on my birthday. Those were too buckwheaty. Those were all whole wheat. Those were only whole wheat and buckwheat. Maybe the all-purpose flour does a better job of hiding the buckwheat flavor. Mm-hmm. Whereas the whole wheat just is like, here it fucking is. Like, eat. Because <laughs> the thing is, I actually love the flavor of buckwheat, but I don't like it in my chocolate chip cookies. It's so weird. I like the texture, though. It gives it a really good, like, chewiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. I just like regular-ass cookies, too. Well, I don't like you. That's fair. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about That's three minutes of us talking about cookies. Good. While we eat cookies, they're going to listen to us. Okay. I'll tell you what I wanted to talk about. Yes, please. Have you been watching All Beyond the Dark? Mm Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Comments? Concerns? I read the book, so I saw the first one, mm-hmm. and I haven't, I've been doing physics, so I, it's kind of like, I didn't, okay, so I didn't know M- Michelle McNamara was like, I didn't know her as a figure outside of what she did with just the Golden State Killer stuff, mm-hmm. because I don't, because I'm ignorant, so, <laughs> <laughs> but then... So I didn't know, like, I feel like the series kind of shows, showcases her as a person just, and is a tribute to her just as much as it is to her actual work, which I don't, I don't mean to be like a huge asshole, but I kind of don't care. No, I don't not care. Like, I would rather they be given to me separately, you know? Mm. Interesting. I think I love it. Okay. I love good michelle mcnamara good and i 
knew of her when she was alive because I'm a big Patton Oswalt fan. Okay. Her husband. Uh, a famous comedian. Stand up. Funny. <laughs> okay. No, he and he's in I a don't million. Know if that even picked up my question. <laughs> he's in a million TV shows. He's like cameos and everything. Oh, he, you'll you'll recognize him. He has cameos in Brooklyn Nine Nine. That was the most recent one I saw. Oh my god, I know him. Yeah. Oh my god. AP Bio. He's Kanix on Agents of Shield. Have okay. you seen Agents of Shield? Nope. Oh, so good. Okay, but I do know who he is. Yeah, and he talks about his wife in his stand-up, and he talked about her true lo- love of true cl- crime. I love that. That's and really he, cute. like, features it in, like, little snippets of his true crime is in the um, All Beyond the Dark. I love it. I just think she's the coolest person ever. And I think as it goes on, it makes more sense why the two stories are connected. Okay. Because she was so vital in that case, and like yeah. that's what she is known for. Sure, you got to watch the whole thing. It's so okay. good, and okay. it's so sad, but also like, ah, <sighs> uh, it's so good. Alrighty, um, what else do we have to talk about in the forty seconds we went to go get cookies? <laughs> um, can't believe you don't take notes. My birthday. It was your birthday. It was my birthday, you guys. What day is it today? It's August fifth. It is August fifth. Which means it was three days ago. Three days Quick after maths. my birthday. Yeah, um, five minus two is three. I'm 20 now. God, people are not going to want to listen to us because we sound so young and stupid. We're literally 20 years old. Because we're actually fresh, just gigantic we're, we're fresh 20-year-olds. Also, we're fresh babies. We're such babies. People we're are even going to so be annoyed young. with us saying we're babies. I know. I think that's more of... At least for me, it's more of a comment on my stupidity than it is on my youth. <laughs> yeah, I want to preface anything I say by sorry, by just stupid. announcing that I am a stupid person. <laughs> it's so sad. Our right. um, glaring. Yeah, what did you do for your birthday? For my birthday in the morning, we had like a small social distance brunch with just family, mm-hmm. and I had a croissant cake. So I just Qua- stacked croissant. A bunch Croissant. Croissants? Stacked Sponsor a bunch of croissants us. on top of each other and stuck I candles love in that. It. And then for the evening, Owen and I went to this like outdoor thing and like. Owen is the boy. Owen is the boyfriend. Who's quarantining, so they're all quarantining together. Yes, it's unfortunate. It's Safety. Sad. Yes. We went to an outdoor restaurant thing. They set up their stuff outside oh and all that. Oh my god. It was cute. And they, like, commandeered the South Park lane. And they're like, fuck you, cars. <laughs> I didn't know, but, like, this was, like, one of the first times when you and I went there. Mm-hmm. It was, like, one of the first times I'd been to a restaurant for, like, co- during this COVID yeah. period because I'm so afraid. But they've been putting up, like, plastic barriers and stuff. Yeah. Between tables. Well, I I haven't even seen tables. Like, At Forma. Yeah. When we went, there were... Plastic tables. There were table. There were, there were plastic barriers. barriers. Yeah, no, I just don't notice things. I oh. just also <laughs> like I don't know. Anyways, so that's what up. It was my birthday. The end. Woo! Right. Well, now, now I feel like a bad friend though because I didn't do anything for you. No, Carolyn and I socially distanced I and had lunch with our brunch. friend. Yes. At a safe socially distanced setting. Yes. Which was great. It was delicious. And that was really fun. We had raw fish. 
We did. We, we did also have had raw fish. fish today. We oh. so much raw fish. Yeah, pescatarianism. A lot of raw fish in the past couple of days. That's concerning. Hope I don't get be mercury careful. poisoning. We do have a friend who consistently attempts to get mercury poisoning. Like it's almost like she wants it. I think she does want it. <laughs> I think she wants it as proof of the fact that she actually is in fact consuming that, that amount of raw fish. <laughs> Which like power to you, but yeah, I mean, if not I'm, right now. Don't if do that I'm now. spending that much money on raw fish, I need some sort of proof. Tambien, <laughs> pictures are not enough. Pictures are not enough. My Instagram story is no longer enough evidence. <laughs> I need a fucking hospital bill. <laughs> like, okay, all right. Um, love you. Okay. You know who you are. You're probably not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> we do love you though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so today we are going to be talking about Zodiac, both the Zodiac Killer and the, and the film movie. that we watched, Zodiac, which was released in 2007, and again from Wikipedia, it's a 2007 American mystery thriller. Um, what are it, the reviews on it? I don't actually know. It was directed by James Vanderbilt, or sorry, no, it was written by James Vanderbilt, and it's based on the two nonfiction books written by the star of the movie robert gray smith not the star the main character the main character of the movie sorry right yeah, star is the actor, actor right okay <laughs> um the star the protagonist main character of the movie robert gray smith um who wrote zodiac a book of the same name and zodiac unmasked he wrote two books both about the zodiac killer yeah how are they different do you know i think it's a follow-up oh. it's like all the stuff he didn't put in the first one he put in the second it has on IMDb a 7.7 .7 out of 10. Good. It has on Rotten Tomatoes an 89%. What's the awards? It's a it's a pretty all-star cast. It really is. So It's about as elite as you can get when it comes to white men. Oh my god, Caroline. Sorry, is that not um, true? I'm sorry. Ryan Reynolds isn't in this movie. You're right. I'm sorry. And that to me stardom and an all-star cast must include if it's all white men, Ryan. one Ryan. <laughs> one Ryan Gosling or Ryan Reynolds There's no must Chris. be in the movie. That that's true. But in my head, it's this Ryan's. is gonna be really bad. Jake Gyllenhaal and Chris Pine are the, are same, the same person, person to me. <laughs> and I actually had an argument with my mom about this. I was like, they look the same. They are the same. I think they look the exact okay, like I just think they look the exact same and for the longest time, I thought that the star of the new Star Trek remakes was Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's definitely Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. <laughs> um, who's Chris O'Donnell? I I don't Is know. Is he different than Chris Pine? Well, they have different names, <laughs> so I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. So the stars of the movie are Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr., which is pretty crazy already. Specifically, the film focuses on one very prominent suspect, Arthur Lee Allen. And so I'm going to be focusing primarily on discussing the evidence that points to him because I'm going to focus on the film. And then Caroline's going to present a couple al alternate theories of who may I have been the Zodiac killer. I got all the other people. She's going to tell the crimes and I'm going to tell everything else. For the sake of clarity, I'm just going to be using the actual characters slash real people's names. So Robert Graysmith, um, who is the main character. You're going to tell the story. 
what do you mean? I'm gonna tell. You're the not story. gonna tell the movie plot. You're gonna tell the story. Yeah, I'm gonna tell exactly what happened with the actual Zodiac In the actual, killer. Yes. And so I'm gonna use the actual people's names because that would not make sense if you were to use Jake 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 Oh, you mean like I did last time? <laughs> <laughs> because that's not the, the first time we're filming. Story. Yeah. Okay. You mean not saying Jake Gyllenhaal, who's Robert <laughs> Grayson, who is also played by Jake yes. Gyllenhaal? Okay. Yes. So I'm going to use the actual people's names. I'm going to go in chronological order. So if you saw the movie, um, which is a little con- was a little confusing to me because it bounced around, um, because everything happened and, uh, and has been well documented, I'm going to go in chronological order, unlike the movie. Let me give a slight preface to anyone who's like, okay, I'm going to listen to this and then I'm going to go watch the movie. Approximately an hour and a half into the movie, it's done. You don't need to finish the movie. <laughs> That's true. After the after the last Zodiac murder, the movie's really over. They draw out. I think it goes because on it's way a, too long. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie is based on the two books, like we said, yes. Zodiac and Zodiac Unmasked. So the latter half of the movie is pretty much a focus on Just what Robert did Grace Robert Graysmith do after everything was found out. Yes. But ultimately, the case remains unsolved. So it's basically him making an argument for what he believes happened. Yeah, in in right, in pursuit of the Zodiac. Case. Yes. Yeah, but it it is not even that compelling. I'm just telling if you're if you go look at that movie like I did and go, what is this going to do for two over two hours? <laughs> you don't need to do that. Okay. <laughs> Right, so you can skip the la- the second half. Um, but the other thing is, if you don't want to listen to the other stuff and you only want to hear stuff you haven't heard already, then just listen to the second half because I'm going to tell you the first. And there you go. They do it in a sort of theatric way where they're like, oh, a new tip. <laughs> and yeah. then they have to go investigate the new tip. Yeah. Even though the new tip was about something that happened 12 years prior. So I'm going to tell you what happened in the right order just so that you guys don't get confused like chronology because i'm dumb like we've said and i <laughs> had to go back and make sure that i was in the right year okay yeah. so i used obviously the movie as a major source i used the table of contents of the zodiac <laughs> book <laughs> we did not read the book <laughs> there were two of them <laughs> i was busy and then i use the san francisco chronicle um zodiac timeline projects okay so i'm gonna go through like a relatively brief timeline of what happened with the zodiac killer and its accompanying events as well as specifically highlighting some of the crimes that were highlighted in the movie and then i'm gonna give you a case that was built mostly by Robert Graysmith in his novel and in this movie for the prime suspect, Arthur Lee Allen. And is generally supported by police. It's right. not like a crazy guy. No, 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 not yeah. at all. I mean, Robert Graysmith worked in conjunction with a lot of law mm-hmm. enforcement officers. And so this is the relatively widely known and most suspected yes. man yeah. who may but have been the Zodiac But it's legitimately su- supported by police. I have some that are not legitimate right and then caroline's gonna tell you guys some alternate theories of who it may have been all right less likely but (laughs) less (laughs) likely but possible more interesting yes okay so the very first murder attributed to the zodiac killer himself is on december 20th 1968 
of the couple David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, who were killed on Lake Herman Road in Benicia, California. The two of them were presumably canoodling because Lake Herman Road was known to be a lover's lane at the time, and they were a young, attractive, white couple. Um, importantly, also, they were shot and then killed. Yes. Or obviously shot and, and killed. killed as a result of being shot. And both of them died. Right. Both of them passed away. Then on July 4th of 1969, almost a year later, Michael Majot and Darlene Farron are shot in Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, California. I know it might be written Vallejo, but it's because, <laughs> but for the sake of consistency, most people call it Vallejo, right? It, Every a, time I've ever heard it. It's, it's called Vallejo. Right. Technically, the Spanish word that we stole from, <laughs> and I say we as white Americans, I guess more Caroline. <laughs> I'm not American. white. <laughs> Neither white. You're an American. Um, not American raised. Sure. Um, Alrighty. Anyways. It so doesn't matter. We, Vallejo, in California, California, we call it right. Vallejo. Right. Just in the same the way Spanish people say Los Angeles. The Spanish word is different. Yeah. Right. Y Los Angeles. Yes. La so ciudad <laughs> de Los Angeles. Okay. And then July 4th of 1969, Michael Michaud and Darlene Farron are shot. Um, it was considered an attempted double homicide as both victims were shot but Majot actually survives even though Farron passes away again another attractive white young couple the crime was committed with a gun and it happened in at nighttime slash in the evening of July 4th in a lover's lane in a lover's lane <laughs> <laughs> um most notable also is that um after this crime was committed the police got a tip from a nearby phone booth from a crimp a man or someone with a very deep ma stereotypically masculine voice Hello. Just who was like not that. Russian <laughs> except for uh, the Russian except that he wasn't Russian um, who sounded like he may have been or currently was crying who took responsibility for the two lovers death what the fuck for the killing of the two what the fuck? He called in and reported the crime. He, right. He called in and reported the crime and also took responsibility for it. Right after it and happened. And sounded yes. like he may have been remorseful. The morning of August 2nd, 1969, three prominent newspapers in the Bay Area receive a letter followed by three different parts of an encoded cipher um, from someone claiming to be some sort of criminal. <laughs> <laughs> because he hasn't it's the first confirmed letter from the zodiac but it doesn't say that he's the zodiac yet like the name like the he doesn't zodiac call himself that yet yes. exactly so the letter the author of the letters claims responsibility for both the benicia and vallejo killings of the two couples of which Majot survives um and the three newspapers are the san francisco chronicle the san francisco examiner and the vallejo times herald um all three received similar, if not identical, letters with a longer cipher only to the Chronicle. And different ciphers. Right. Yes. The combined ciphers together are decoded by couples. Oh, my God. My <laughs> goal in life. Right. They're really cute. The really cute couple um, who are a retired high school teacher and his wife. Let's talk about Okay. how if my future husband... Or partner, yes, doesn't want to solve <laughs> these ciphers with me. I will request a divorce 
immediately. <laughs> I'm going to have a prenup. And the only thing the prenup is going to say, <laughs> if there is a cipher in the newspaper that must be solved and my partner does not want to solve it, I get to divorce that person and take all of his or her money. <laughs> oh my God. Or there. Uh, so I'm so passionate about this. I love that. I, I would be so furious. And I love it in the movie. They have it like San Francisco PD solving or working on the cipher. U.S. military working, working on, on the, the cipher. cipher. CIA, FBI, Interpol. I don't know if Interpol is there. Working on the cipher. And then yeah, it's just like a like, little breakfast nook yeah. with like these two old people like, so hey, cute. honey, what do you want to do today? <laughs> Let's crack a fucking cipher. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably the most famous cipher in the world, Tom Bien. Oh Possibly, my God. yeah. So wait, so they publish it differently. Right, so they publish it. The San Francisco Examiner and the it Vallejo... Th- the, the letter asks, put this on the front page. Right, and it also threatens to kill like a dozen, dozen people, people if it's not published on the front page of all three newspapers. Obviously, an interest of this killer is notoriety. Then skip forward to September 27th of 1969. Yet another attractive, like, white couple, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, are stabbed repeatedly during the mid-afternoon at Lake Berryessa. Shepard, the woman, passes away and Hartnell survives. This is the second time of the three confirmed killings attributed to the Zodiac that the man survives. Mm -hmm. Notable is that, A, he departed from his quiet approach of a vehicle in the middle of the night and b he changed his weapon also important about the lake berryessa murders is that the criminal or the killer approached them wearing an executioner style mask and a black garb with a zodiac sign on it and the sign was identified to look it kind of looks like the crosshairs of a gun right it looks like crosshairs of a gun or like you guys aren't familiar with that. It looks like a target sign <laughs> <laughs> with like a sticks through it. <laughs> okay. But it's a um, circle with an X through it. Right. But the X is facing yes. up and sideways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and he comes to them and he says that he's an escaped convict aiming for Mexico. And he gets Hartnell to give him his keys, his wallet. Um, and Hartnell was a uh, studying to be a law student and so he tries to kind of talk him down um, <laughs> that's what they say in the movie i don't know if that's actually what happened i never talked to brian myself but like um he gives him what he has and then the criminal has that has them sit on the ground back to back he has cecilia turn around and zip tie brian's hands together and then he does he walks over and does the same to cecilia and he makes him like pushes them down into like a hog tie position in the movie. And this is supposedly corroborated by Hartnell's story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point he just starts stabbing them like yeah. indiscriminately and police don't really again, sort of put two and two together well, yet totally because the MO is so separate. It's so crazy. To While think the victimology about. remains the same, the like the weapon used and the time and the fact that he interacted with them and the fact that one of them actually survived is like throws everyone off. And additionally, very important to note is that 
all three of these crimes have been committed in separate jurisdictions, which means that also because there wasn't that much interagency cooperation by no fault of their own. It was literally the 60s and 70s. (laughs) Like they didn't have Google Drive. (laughs) So they like there was a lack of communication on the part of the police that also prevented people from identifying these as similar. So do you think he meant to let the dude live? I don't Based know. Based on what you've researched, uh-huh. do you think he meant to let him live? Meant to let the guy live? Which time? Both times. I don't think the first time he intended to. Like, do you think that was a pattern? No, I don't. I think it was an accident. A lot of times, especially with a stabbing, I can see how he may have intended to. Or, sorry, I can see how he may have intended to kill him, specifically, mm-hmm. but was just unable to because he was a bigger person than she was. Mm-hmm. But with the shootings, I feel like that has to have been intentional. I do, too. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Because then he called the police. Right. Like, there was a That's sign of, like, issue. psychologically being able to experience remorse or guilt. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I think he... At least right. for the um, Mike Michael Majot murders, I think he meant to let Michael live. I don't know what that says about him, but right, he do be crazy. Yeah, it's a little bit nuts. Um, then in October, cab driver Paul Stein is shot to death in Presidio Heights in San Francisco. Uh, the police initially report it as a ro- an attempted robbery slash mugging gone wrong. And this one is a really, really fucking frustrating one. Mm-hmm. So even though this is now attributed to the Zodiac Killer, now several things have happened. Like, it's a different area. It's a different victim. Mm-hmm. It's a different situation. And because it went from n- gun to knife to gun, technically it's a new weapon, right? Yeah. But what's most interesting is that He did this in front of in a residential area. And so a bunch of kids were like were act. They acted as like eyewitnesses Mm -hmm. to the event, having called it into the police. They described the man as like an older, bigger white man who climbed into the front seat of the cab and then took off walking Mm -hmm. and left the fled the crime scene. But. The other thing is that um, the actual call was misreported or I guess it was miscommunicated between not only the witnesses and the dispatcher, but the dispatcher and the police. So the dispatcher then put out a call for like units in the area to go and look for a black Black man, man. which is obviously fucking terrible. Also, like just like just how? extra frustrating. Like, how do you mess up those words? How? They don't sound the same. And the big issue is that police see a man right. walking away. Right. So the police pass a man. Like the first I believe they stop unit, him too. The first unit to get to the scene passes an older, taller white man um, who's wearing a dark jacket, and it's later at night, so they can't see him super well. But they stop and speak to him, ask him where he's going, and then they let him go on his way because they're under the impression they're looking for someone who doesn't match that physical description. And they get to the scene. They don't highlight this enough in the movie, I don't They really don't. It's like brought up later, way after it happens. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know, it's so bad. That fucking 
ruined it was that bad. case. It was really bad. And then the other important thing that is actually Wait, real quick. In the movie sorry, just to add that, to that. Yes. Those cops who saw the man did end up doing a sketch, and the sketch supposedly matched the description of the killer that the children saw. However, what's notable about that is that those cops, because of their wrongdoing, didn't actually come forward until it was highlighted yeah. later that it could have been the man who actually committed the crime. So it was several weeks, if not months later, that they sat with a sketch artist. Yeah. So it could have been inaccurate. It, yeah, it could have been. Oh, but. Like if you're describing an older white man, if you say, oh, he has two eyes, a nose, and a mouth, like they're all <laughs> kind of going to look the same because it's such a blurry memory, right? Like any yeah. man, any person, like they all kind of look the same after like a long enough period, yeah. especially if such an indistinct memory. Yes. Like anyways, so four days later, October 15th, I don't mean to be racist, like not every white person looks the same, but like <laughs> I'm just saying if you don't remember what someone looks like and you're trying to describe them, it's going to be a generic description. Yeah. So then four days later, October 15th, on nine in on October 15th, 1969, the Chronicle runs another letter they received from the Zodiac, who now identifies as a Zodiac and also claims credit for Stein's killing. So yeah, so the Zodiac calls himself the Zodiac. He's it's like, not some signed, love, yeah. motherfucking It's not Zodiac, some right? media name that was assigned to him. Right, it's really interesting because it's himself. a self-assigned name. Which it's is very weird. Like the Green River Killer is called the Green River Killer because the media right. assigned him that name. Right. Very, very funky. Um. Anyways, uh, the Chronicle then runs a letter from the Zodiac, which claims credit for science killing. And in order to identify himself as the actual killer, the letter includes a swath of Paul Stein's shirt, like a bloody piece of his shirt, as proof that he, in fact, did commit the crime. Um, anyways, it was really creepy. <laughs> and they confirmed that the blood was, in fact, Paul Stein's. Yes. Um, notable about both of the ciphers is that in the very first cipher, um, there is the line, the most man is the most dangerous animal of them all, which is a reference to the film slash book, The Most Dangerous Game, um, about a man who gets tired of hunting wild game and resorts to hunting people like a fucking crazy person. <laughs> then um, San Francisco police inspectors Dave Toskey and Bill Armstrong are put on the case um, and they work with Vallejo police, Jack Mullinax and Captain Ken Narlow. Um, the Zodiac Killer continues to send taunting, mocking letters and also makes a call to the Oakland Police Department where he requests to speak to a very wealthy and well-known San Francisco attorney, Marvin Belli, on air. Um, and Belli agrees to speak to him, takes the call on the show, and agrees on the show on air to meet the caller in front of a shop in Daly City. Obviously, he doesn't fucking show up. And the police decide, as a result, it was not even the Zodiac who was on the phone with him. Do you think air. it was? No. I don't either. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny, though, because even though that's what's shown, is that, like, what's funny to me is that he requested both Marvin Belli and another guy. And the other guy was like, 
I'm just passing. Like, yeah, Marvin, you can take this one. And this I was one's like, all what you, is that? Like, what is wrong with you? Anyways, okay. So he goes on the Jim Dunbar show, and this is just a huge flop. Then on November 12th in 1969, the Chronicle publishes yet another cipher with a letter from the Zodiac. He claims credit for um, two more killings. And despite this, the police will not give him credit for those, which is frustrating. But this cipher is the one that is still to this day yet to be solved. Yes. Yeah. So there are ciphers that are uncracked. Exactly. Yes. And some people say that it's just bullshit and that it's just a bunch of shapes. So there's a letter prior to the cipher that says I killed that these two That explicitly says in English words, like, I killed two yes. other people. But the police um, deny this and say that it didn't happen. Yes. Then later. And some there are many letters. Uh-huh. Some people say not the Zodiac. Yes. Some people say definitely the Zodiac. It's yes. all, 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 a lot of them are hotly contested. The reason yes. we know the first couple of letters are for sure the Zodiac are because they include details of the crime. Not published in the Not papers. published exactly. in newspapers. Yes. Um, and this contributes to the theory that either there was someone who was leaking information to the press, mm-hmm. or not the press, but to the public, or that the... Like, it was, in fact, the Zodiac Killer. And additionally, some of them included swaths of signed shirts. Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, you wouldn't have unless you fucking killed him. Yeah. Right. So then December 27th or and 19th. Uh-huh. unless you were a cop and you broke into the evidence room. Which would be also very bad. Yes, don't do that. <laughs> yes. So oh, December. All the cops listening, don't do Let's that. Let's not do that. <laughs> don't steal evidence. December 27th, 1969, the police receive um, a letter from Belli who claims that it was from the Zodiac and sent to him on December 20th. He was out of town during that time, and so that's what accounts for the sort of gap in time between the receipt of the letter and the actual, like, giving it to the police. Um, They decide that it's authentic, and the letter says, please help me, I am drowning. But he spells drowning with a D in between the drown and the ing. (laughs) And again, it's sent um, with an identified swath of Paul Stein's shirt. Is really, really creepy because he sends it to Belli's home. Yeah. Not, oh, not just so creepy. Yeah, no, it's really disgusting. That other lawyer was smart to bow out early on. Right. Then um, there's another cab driver who was killed on January 25th of 1970 in the same neighborhood, but it's determined that that is not, in fact, the Zodiac. So then on March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns, badass pregnant woman with her newborn infant fresh baby daughter is driving on she's small like really small i don't know why i said it that way it's so weird okay it's Um, a fresh baby that's an accurate description small oh babies are usually small (laughs) (laughs) that's what i mean it's a dumb description most babies are small (laughs) um so she's driving on highway 132 near modesto california when from behind her and it's pretty late at night. From behind her, she sees someone flashing their brights. Um, so she pulls My over. My biggest fear in the whole I would never world. pull over. I would just keep going. Never pull over. Or drive straight to a police station. Yeah. Anyways, so he <laughs> flashes his brights at her. And because she thinks something is wrong and because it's the 70s, she pulls over. And the person in the car who's been flashing his brights rolls down his window and talks to her from his car. 
um, and uh, tells her that her tire is loose and that she needs to tighten the lug nuts because she is pregnant and she has a fucking baby. She's like, oh, can you? I don't know, actually, if she invited him to help, but he he offers offers. to tighten them for her. Mm -hmm. Then, obviously, he loosens them and they continue driving. He's a fucking creep. Yes. They continue driving and she's driving in front of him, at which point her tire fucking falls off. So then her car has to stop. (laughs) He offers to drive um, her and her baby around um, to the nearest uh, auto body shop slash Mm -hmm like gas station gas station Just somewhere where someone can, can help her right and instead of doing so he locks the doors and drives them around um with her small with her baby, baby in her lap yeah and then so finally she they pass several auto body shops slash gas stations slash police stations and she's like hey like are you gonna stop anytime soon and then he says no i'm gonna kill you and so then she jumps out of the car with her baby. She combat rolls out of the car, runs and hides from him for several hours and has to stay in a field. And something this is that I, I just thought was so cute in the movie, I guess not cute, really terrible, but really bad in the movie, yeah. is that she hides in the fields for several hours, just begging her baby not to cry as he walks around like hi i was just joking like come back in my car (laughs) as if she's gonna get up and be like oh that was funny like let me get back in and um so she's sitting in this field waiting for him to go away when she finally believes he's gone she walks the several miles or whatever long distance back to the actual highway and tries to flag down a car to help her she obviously looks like a pretty like normal woman and so people immediately stop to help her and they find out that she's hidden her baby in case he came back so she has to go walk and get her baby and i thought that was so smart like i don't know if i'm really dumb but i don't know if i would have thought of that that's the mother's instinct it really is here's a scary thing about california that people don't really like like if you're in los angeles or san francisco you're in dense not dense, but yeah, pop- dense. heavy, heavily populated areas, uh-huh. and and Los Angeles and the Bay Area are huge mm-hmm. and populated with millions of people. But when you're in between these huge cities and driving from town to town, mm-hmm. California is desert. It is. It's not just empty. desert. It's also farms. Yes. So it's really sparse. Yes, but so I guess my concern as a mother would be leaving your babies out in this desert desert there are predators animals yeah that's what i was thinking coyotes she was right next to the highway yeah. so hopefully i'm sure that no of safe, course that's what i was thinking i was like oh, but what about the coyotes <laughs> <laughs> um she clearly was a badass mom yeah and truly. was very aware um oh. and i would rather amazing protect my baby from a murderer than i you know i trust the coyotes to a certain yeah. extent then she um, gets a ride from a friendly Good Samaritan and stops at a police station, identifies her killer as the Zodiac in the in like a wanted poster. Mm-hmm. And then several weeks later, the Chronicle receives yet another letter claiming that he was the one who kidnapped her. So everybody kind of agrees it's him, even though the police never officially state that they believe the Zodiac yes. did it. April 22nd, 1970, the Chronicle reports receiving another letter from the Zodiac Killer, who now claims to have killed 10 total people. 
Um, and it has another cipher that ha- that is supposed to be his name. Should we crack the ciphers that haven't been cracked? I do you know what I think. I think some of the ciphers aren't legit and are just made up jumbles of code. So you believe that they're fake? I believe that some of them are fake. I think the ones that haven't been cracked are fake. You think they're fake but sent by the Zodiac to throw people off? Or do you think they're think fake they're and fake not even totally. sent by him? I think they're totally fake. Altogether fake? Yeah, the ones that haven't been cracked. Oh. The ciphers? Yeah. You don't even think they were sent by him? I mean, I think the ones that have been cracked are sent by him. And but the some of like the ones that were sent. The Paul Stein shirts. Yeah. Was that one not cracked? Was yeah. um Marvin. Bellize. Bellize was his cracked. He didn't. That There wasn't a cipher, no cipher associated that. with that one. But there were ciphers with Paul Stein shirts that haven't been c- cracked. I believe so. I could be mistaken. Let me. Let me. I mean, obviously, track. if it has Paul Stein shirt, then. Uh, but I think a lot of the ones that haven't been cracked. Mm-hmm. That have no evidence in them that was significant. Mm-hmm. I think those are all fake. It's really not great. If you guys want to go see the letters and ciphers, just go to zodiackiller.com slash letters. Yeah. And it's literally just scans of his letters and the accompanying envelopes yeah. and the accompanying ciphers. <sighs> they really, really creep me yeah. out. Like, I it's really so scary because they're all handwritten with yes. the exception of a few that are clippings out of like newspapers for words that he used and they're not funny they're really deeply upsetting i guess my thing is like he was writing all this stuff prior to like computer code that can easily solve ciphers at the speed at which we can solve ciphers now Mm -hmm. so unless he's like some superhuman genius which i don't think he is i think he's a smart dude but i don't think he's smarter than our fucking computers i really don't think those are real it's really creepy anyway so then on october 12th of 1970 the chronicle reports receiving yet another postcard and this time his death holes his death toll is up to 13 um then several days later on october 27th the Zodiac sends the Chronicle crime reporter Paul Avery, a.k.a. motherfucking Robert Downey Jr., a RDJ. Halloween card. Yeah, a Halloween card telling Avery, you are doomed. <laughs> oh, my God. So upsetting. And then right. on November 16th, the Chronicle runs a story uh, published by Paul Avery that, that um, points out the similarities between several killings um, attributed to the Zodiac and the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, mm-hmm. who attended UC Riverside in Southern California. Um, no police ever confirmed that she was a Zodiac victim. Yes. But it's largely accepted that she was the first, like, violent crime victim of his. Yes. I believe it's Riverside Community College. She was killed at riverside city College, got it but she attended, attended uc, UC riverside. riverside yeah so we're, you're right yes yes i'm i'm wrong we're both actually right. no, it's okay. <laughs> um but she was killed there yes yes then in march 16th uh, in mid-march of the next year the chronicle reports that the la times received a letter from the zodiac um who had previously been silent for five months and he now says that it's been 17 victims and that sherry joe bates was also by him mm-hmm. 
It's really gross. And then 10 days later, the Zodiac sends what they call now oh, the peek through the pines postcard mm-hmm. to the Chronicle. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then people think that it refers to Donna Lass, um, who was a nurse who w- like disappeared in South Lake Tahoe. Um, that case is still like unsolved. Mm-hmm. So is the Sherry Joe Bates case. Yeah. All these cases are unsolved. unsolved. With the exception of the first three joint murders, like double homicides. Those were attributed to the Zodiac. Yes, un- yes, unsolved. But yes, attributed to the Zodiac. So right. all these cases are, at the time and still today, yeah. open cases. Right. I don't know. Some of them might be closed, but unsolved. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like closed um, cases. But the reason that the first four that we mentioned are so significant, the Lake Herman Road, the Darlene murder, Lake Variessa, and Paul Stein, those are the ones that we are 100% confident mm-hmm. is the Zodiac. Uh-huh. Then there's a three-year silence. So there's a five-month silence followed by a letter to the LA Times slash the Chronicle which is published in the Chronicle, and then there's three years' silence. Then on January 31st of 1974, the Chronicle reports a letter from the Zodiac in which he claims 37 victims. Oh, and he (laughs) says, I saw and think The Exorcist was the best satirical comedy I have ever seen. But he has a lot of very distinct spelling errors. Mm -hmm. Um. Again, if you guys want to see it yourself, just go look at and it. And weird really words. Gross. But look at it in daylight, like broad daylight <laughs> with like several people around you. That aren't um, murderers. Yes. Can How do you ever know, though? Th- I mean, you write. <laughs> <laughs> then on April 26, four years after this, the Chronicle reports yet another letter from the Zodiac um, since January 1974, in which the Zodiac says that the San Francisco... Ooh, San Francisco. <laughs> that the San Francisco um, police inspector Dave Tosky, aka the love of my life, Mark Ruffalo, is Mark good, but I am smarter. At this point, I am gooder. <laughs> at this point, it's been about eight years since the last crime was committed by him. Um, and he tells the Chronicle columnist Herb Kane, I am here. Um, this letter is one of the most hotly contested letters because it comes after such a long silence um, that most people believe that it's like very questionable. But there are some experts on the Zodiac Killer who like maintain that it's authentic. All right. So that's about all that happens in Time terms of the wise. actual serial killer. In 1986, Robert Graysmith, the star of the movie or the main character of the movie, comes out with Zodiac. Um which is, like, a very, like, fact-based breakdown of um, the Zodiac Killer and then follows it with Zodiac Unmasked, um, in which he posits that the most likely suspect for the crimes is Arthur Lee Allen of Vallejo, California. Real quick. Uh-huh. And Robert Graysmith works, worked at... Right, so... Robert Graysmith was a political cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle during the times when the Zodiac Killer was at large. And so that's kind of his involvement. His involvement is not limited to the fact that he was at the Chronicle, but he also sat in, because he was a relatively successful and prominent 
political cartoonist, he sat in on a lot of the meetings in which the ciphers slash letters were actually read aloud in the mornings prior to publishing. Um, all right, and so uh, I now I'm going to make the case for Arthur Lee Allen, the favored suspect of Robert Gray Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arthur Lee Allen was born on December 18th, 1933, and he was and currently still is the prime suspect in the eyes of both law enforcement, Zodiac Killer aficionados, and the public as the Zodiac Killer. He was most widely accepted after the publishing, after the publication of Zodiac by Robert Graysmith, um, but was cleared through a series of DNA samples, fingerprint samples, palm print samples, and handwriting samples, which is difficult <laughs> because that's all pretty concrete and hard physical evidence. But to also preface that, no one has matched any of the DNA Very fingerprint. True. Thus far, no mm-hmm. one's matched any of the hard evidence. And a lot of that, I'll mention more of this, and I'm sure you might talk about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but all of those things have been questioned as whether or not they actually are the zodiac killers right dna so the, the actual thing the samples to which they are comparing each suspect of physical evidence may have not only been compromised but may have actually been taken from the wrong slash incorrect places yeah right so if they're comparing, they may not even be comparing to the right thing. Yes. And not only that, no one's matched them so yeah. far. Okay, so uh, Arthur Lee Allen was born in Honolulu, Hawaii on December 18th of 1983. He moved to and then grew up in Vallejo, California, went to Vallejo High School, and then went to Vallejo College. Vallejo um, baby. He, not technically. Technically He's a Hawaiian not. <laughs> baby. Um, so he was in the Navy. And was dishonorably discharged in 1958. He also, shortly thereafter, lost his job as an elementary school teacher in 1968 for allegations of molesting slash sexually assaulting children. And then, ten year, and then in 1974, he was arrested for he was arrested for the molestation of children, and then served his sentence at um, Atascadero State Hospital. Um, so bad, dude. Well, not great. Yeah. <laughs> the first time it was allegations. The second time he was actually tried yes. and sentenced. But um, he also had a very violent childhood. He was not not positively the victim of physical abuse, but he was known to have allegedly tortured animals and insects as a kid, a claim made by Karen Allen, which is not. Who's Karen Allen? Karen Allen is his Mm sister-in-law. Right. So he had a violent streak and was just kind of a questionable guy. Um, All right. So that's who he was. But here's how everything kind of stacked up against him. Everything is circumstantial. Again, this is all alleged. He doesn't actually – he has not been confirmed to match any of the physical evidence. But the circumstantial evidence – builds a very compelling case against him. Mm -hmm. So specifically, in 1998, Michael Majel, the survivor of the July 4th murder, picked Alan's face out of a police lineup. But it was late, and his face was obscured, and obviously he was then shot, so because of the trauma trauma and the physical inability to see, that's not concrete. Also, 
But then 20 years later, it was also 20 years later. But then um, the other survivor of the stabbing of the Lake Berryessa murders, Brian Hartnell, identified the voice um, and like stature, like physical stature of the Zodiac um, as Arthur Lee Allen as well. Mm -hmm. If not, then very similar. Something that the movie really highlights that is also just kind of creepy is that Alan's friend slash coworker Don Chaney um, went fishing with him, at which point Arthur Lee Allen said that he wanted to kill couples. He also said that if he were to have been the killer, he would taunt the police with a bunch of letters. He also said that he loved the movie, The Most Dangerous Game, um, and he uses a phrase, a phrase then used later in one of the Zodiac's confirmed letters, Little Darlings, which the Zodiac says the little kitties, which is gross. And then he also wore, um, he also wore flashlights on the bottom of his gun. Like he had a flashlight attachment um, on the barrel of his gun. He would also say to Cheney that, um, if possible, he would try to lure women into his, try to seduce slash assault women by stopping them on the side of their road, telling them their lug nuts were loose, and then loosening their lug nuts until their tire fell off their car, which is a bummer. So he just kind of laid it all out. To Pretty much exactly everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also said that he would sign letters from him with the crosshair symbol of his watch from the Zodiac Watch Company and that he would call himself the Zodiac, which is all kind of damning evidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was also born on December 18th, which is around the time that Marvin Belli received um, a phone call with his housekeeper, allegedly that it was near the Zodiac's birthday and that he needed to kill someone. He lived in Vallejo, California. He was allegedly in Riverside during the UC Riverside slash Riverside City College murder. Um, and he he owned a royal typewriter with elite type font from his, uh, which was the brand of typewriter used to write the letters. Um, some of the letters. He. He told his other friend, Philip, he was fascinated with the idea of killing people. He said that people. Oh, my God, it's just so gross. He said that people were more challenging to kill than animals because they are smarter and harder to kill. Um, Which is consistent with some of the ciphers that were sent to the newspapers. And he also told the police themselves that his favorite book was The Most Dangerous Game, which if you'll recall earlier, Robert Graysmith says um, there was a reference to in one of the ciphers. He um, possessed bloody knives on the day of the Lake Berryessa attack, even though he said it was chicken blood. He owned two twenty-two caliber weapons, which were the type of bullet found in the victims. He is the Zodiac is often thought of as having military or formal combat training. And um, he was in the Navy. He wore size 10 and a half shoes, which were similar to that left at the crime scene. Um, he would use similar 
incorrect spellings intentionally in his own personal letters as used in the cipher. Um, but recall that it was also published in newspapers. And he was ambidextrous, which some people say is the reason that he has never matched the handwriting samples. Um, direct evidence is direct evidence that contradicts him is that those who were um, the eyewitnesses of the Paul Stein murder scene claimed that Paul Arthur Lee Allen was not the man they saw getting out of the cab. And um, he did not wear glasses and was older with gray black hair prior to his um, arrest or potential arrest. He passed away on August 26th of 1992 from a heart attack at his home in Vallejo. All right. Um, that's it. All right. Now my suspects. All right. So people other than him. Yes. So pretty crazy. All right. So Arthur Lee Allen is very heavily implicated in Zodiac, the movie, the book. It's like a lot of people really like Arthur Lee Allen for it. Mm -hmm. But there are some other suspects that I find pretty intriguing. After watching Zodiac, I was like, yo, it's got to fucking be Arthur Lee Allen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's some other compelling things. And one of the big flaws in the Arthur Lee Allen case is that a lot of it comes from this guy named Don Chaney who uh-huh. over the years has been very suspect. Like he wasn't like, Oh, please let me tell you this thing just casually and random. Like he has, <laughs> he has really, you know, made a name for himself as this guy. And yeah. some people almost have also like, he's so involved in it now that yeah. some people are like, is he the fucking killer? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about the other guys who I think are compelling That being said, this is arguably one of the most famous unsolved cases Mm -hmm. in perhaps the world. Sure. So people, there's some evidence that to me, or quote unquote evidence, like there's some reasons that people think certain people do it. Uh And the evidence that they base it off for me is like super bullshit. Uh Like, this is one example. One of the guys who is suspected, who I will discuss, um, his name is Richard Gajkowski, and his social... He's dead. We now have his social security number. And so this is, like, an... This is a piece of evidence that was used to be, like, look, it's him. Uh His social security number is 503-382838. And the eights in Gajkowski's social security number line up with the eights in the cipher that says my name is. So, like, where the phrase my name is in that cipher, they're like, oh, look, the eights, it matches. Also, Gajkowski was one of eight children. To me, I read that, and I was like, that's fucking bullshit. So, I'm reading you guys. I'm going to like tell you guys these cases but i'm gonna try to leave out a lot of that Let's hope evidence so. that was- yeah <laughs> i'm gonna leave out a lot of that evidence that being said if you want to go read there's a there's literally wait i have a yes. really important question yeah are you gonna cover ted kaczynski's 
I am not. I'm all. I'm. I decided. Oh. I spent so long on these that I decided I'm actually only gonna do. Originally, I was gonna do like the bullshit stuff. I mean, he was cleared by the police, so mm-hmm. I guess that doesn't make sense. But and I was gonna do like George Hodel and yeah. all these like bullshit things. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just spent so long on the guys that like legit had it, and yeah. I'm like, these guys are interesting enough that. Sure. I got almost all of my evidence. If you guys are really interested in this, go to ZodiacKiller.com. It is a website made by a web sleuth, um, and it, but it's actually very legit. Like, he has worked with police. He Police respect him. Oh, He's wow. Good friend. He was good friends with – or not good friends with, but <laughs> had a relationship with Ken Narlo, who was one of the detectives on the case. Um. So it's a very respected website, and then they have a forum-style discussion page that gets into all this stuff, and there are a million links that you can follow from there. Anyway, everything you need to know, really, about the Zodiac Killer <laughs> is on that website. Kay. So almost all of it came from that or Reddit. Let's get into my favorite guy, who I think is Arthur Lee Allen's ALA's biggest rival. Okay. <laughs> so... His name is Richard Gajkowski, um, who also Wait, is sometimes the social security guy. Yeah, this oh. is, he, they have like a million of those little things. I see. Okay. That I'm just like I'm not focusing on that. Okay. Um, Richard Gajkowski, also known as Gike, so I'll sometimes <laughs> Mike switch. Put a G. Yeah. Okay. So Gajkowski was born in Watertown, South Dakota, March Fourteenth, nineteen thirty-six. Um. He served a stint in the army during the 1950s um, and was trained as a medic. Not much is known about his time in the army because 80% of his records, I guess all records, were destroyed in a fire in 1973. (gasps) So we don't know a ton about his military career. Oh. We just know he's a medic. Um, In 1965, he... uh, he eventually moves out to California, and in 1965, he's living less than five miles away from the Zodiac's first eventual attack site <gasps> um, on Lake Herman Road. Um, and then 1966, he moves to Albany, New York, to work at the Knickerbocker newspaper there. That's a weird name. Um, it is. So, I- 1966, he moves Wait, to New York. aren't Knickerbockers underwear? I don't know, to be totally so honest. So, it's like... The Panty Herald. I don't know. <laughs> That's so gross. Um, you'll see. He's a weird dude. Um, <laughs> what did he do there? Uh, we'll get there. Okay. Slow sorry, down, sorry, sorry. 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 Slow sorry. down, bruh. Okay. So, 1966, he moves to New York. He's traveling a ton. So, the first murder we care about is <laughs> the December 20th, 1968 Lake Herman murders. Okay. So, there's not a ton of discussion about this. His defense, uh-huh. I, I couldn't see, like, oh, was he in Los Angeles, or was he in right. the Bay Area at the time? Sure. It's unclear. His He was questioned by police, and his defense is, oh, I was out of the country, which to me implies he yeah. was either out of the country or in California. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, at this time, he's still living in Al- Albany, New York. Uh-huh. But because he isn't like, oh, I was home in New York. Ah. He's saying, oh, I was out of the country. That's I see what you're saying. It's like, I don't I don't know. It's not, I, when I, 
when I first read this, I was like, oh, he's in New York. That's why he wasn't there. There. Yeah, sure. But, but that, that's not his argument. His argument is, no, I was out of the country. I see. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Does it make sense? It's a little confusing. Yes. Um, however, when he was asked to provide a passport to prove his claims, he says it was lost. What the however, fuck? Fun fact. Fun fact. That's not how travel works. Yes. We have other ways to confirm these sorts of things. Many. <laughs> um, so we have travel documents from prior to him leaving. He applied for a visa type thing or a passport prior where he said he would leave November 1st, 1968 and would be gone for one month. Okay. Which means he would theoretically, if he was there for exactly one month, he'd be back by December 1st or at least have... 20 days prior to the December 20th murders uh-huh. to get home. And so I saw the actual documents. They're online. You can see them. How can you see them? I'll show you. Uh, I'm going to show you some photos, but <gasps> I'm not. <gasps> there are. No, no, no. Not scary photos. Okay. I'm going to show you photos of him. Okay. Um, I haven't seen any return documents. I've seen the documents saying he's going to be there for a month. I see. But that's that's all published or like it's all created prior to him actually even leaving. Yes. Okay, exactly. Got it. Got it. Um, so, yeah, so theor- theoretically, he had 50 days to get back. He said he was only going to be gone for 30. So it seems likely that he would be back. Um, but most importantly, from this passport photo, he looks super similar to the sketches. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to okay. show you them. Okay. I was like, dude, <laughs> like, get out of here, my dude. Here, okay, I'm showing them to Natalie. Tell me what you think. Dude, that's him. Right? That's fucking him. Right? And I've seen a million pictures of different people. This, I think, is the, arguably the closest. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's super literally similar. exactly him. If you look up Richard Gajkowski's passport photo. Okay. Um, that's the passport photo that I just showed Natalie. We'll post it on some sort of. All on our on Instagram. Our, on our Instagram. We'll Everyone's going to want to love to yeah. see that. Yeah. Fabulous. So, uh, yeah, I was like, dude. in the same way like dude that's that guy's French (laughs) 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 yeah so guys if you want to be in on our inside joke please go listen to our episode about the imposter yes bye um (laughs) oh my god that might be posted after anyway doesn't matter so go listen to it after yes When we post it, go listen to it. Um, so, I, so there's not a ton ta- tying to hi- tying him to this murder. Uh-huh. However, his alibi doesn't hold up. I see. Which is like, if I'm accused of a crime and my alibi doesn't hold up, even if there's nothing else linking me to that crime, yes. it's still a little suspect. Yes. All I'm saying. Um, not not a great look. And he has a lot of ties. Again, he at, at, in 1965, three years, he, three years before, he was living just five miles away from this location. Uh-huh. So he's definitely connected to the area. So that's his connection to the first murder. The second murder, July 4th, 1969. So this is the murder of Darlene Farron and the attempted murder of Michael Majot. Um, so Darlene Farron actually got married in, on January 1st, 1966. Uh-huh. 
and then move to Albany, New York. <gasps> Who else lives in Albany, New York? <gasps> Geik! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so she moves January 1st, 1966. Geikowski moves shortly after. Okay. Farron's husband, Uh-oh. at the time, worked at the Albany Times Union newspaper. But he worked at the Panty Herald. Geikowski worked in the same building as him <gasps> at the rival Albany Knickerbocker newspaper. Shut up. That's kind of, okay, I know that's circumstantial, but that's kind of cool. Totally circumstantial. Doesn't mean anything. But it is closer than his But it's real number. fucking close. Like, that, it's crazy that that happened. How shortly thereafter, do you know how, sh- how soon he moved? The same year. At least the same year. Dude. They definitely moved the same year. In 1969, Darlene and her new husband, kind of, Darlene got a couple guys coming around, which, you know, go for her. her. Um, In May of 1969, Uh Darlene moves back to um, Vallejo. And I think at this point, uh, it's not exactly clear when Gajkowski moves back to Vallejo, Mm -hmm. but he also moves back to the General Bay Area. This is a thing that's mentioned in the movie uh-huh. regarding Arthur Lee Allen. Uh-huh. There is a painting party. In the movie, it is claimed that Arthur Lee Allen attends this painting party. A guy named, or not necessarily Arthur Lee Allen, a guy named Lee attends this painting party. And this is like, they just moved into this new home. They invite their friends over for beers and to come to help paint the house. Right. And this, this is was, a, wait, in the movie, the person with whom the police are having this discussion is Karen Allen. Exactly. Right. So, this painting party, according to, this is a an almost mythical painting party. <laughs> because it is so highly contested whether or not this actually happened. Uh-huh. Because it kind of seemed to come out of nowhere in uh-huh. regards to, like, no one, it's not super clear, like, where this idea came from. The idea of the painting party? This idea of this, par- like, did this party even happen? Is this something oh. that... Oh. I'll tell you why in a hot second, because it's wild. Okay. <laughs> there are three different suspects. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> uh-huh. There are three different suspects who are, have set, who are said to have attended this painting party. Uh-huh. Arthur Lee Allen. Uh-huh. Gajkowski mm-hmm. and a guy named Lawrence Kane, who I'll get to later. Um, so in we do have police reports. We can confirm that. So a guy named Mike Butterfield is the guy who kind of is like, no, this painting party never happened. Okay. But wait, Mike Butterfield was at the party. They he said say no, he, he was at the he's, party. Uh, he's uh, I don't know how he plays into this. He's later on said just says it has said okay. it never happened. But there is a police report that does mention a painting party Mm. in Vallejo PD, but there's not much, like, it's only really mentioned once. Okay. So whether or not these guys attended is very unclear. Darlene's sister, I believe, Uh says Arthur Lee Allen attended. Ken Narlo, detective from Vallejo PD, Mm. says Gajkowski was there. Wow. So he directly links Gajkowski to Darlene. Okay. 
So they were they knew each other at least. He's confirming that they knew each other. They clearly have this history together going back and forth from Albany. And then Ken is the one who says, no, they <gasps> knew each other. Oh, no. Nancy Slaver. Slo- it might be Slover. I don't know. <laughs> okay. The police dispatcher who spoke with the Zodiac on the phone, because mm-hmm. remember, the Zodiac called the police, has identified Gajkowski's voice as being the same as the Zodiac's voice. So that's all the links to... So that's the, that's all the links with the July 4th murders. Then we have the Lake Berryessa murder. The Zodiac, as, as Nally mentioned, the Zodiac toward, told Hartnell that he was an escaped convict and wanted his car to go to Mexico. While Gajkowski was working in California prior to moving to Albany, he, he himself had covered a very similar story at Lake Berryessa about two escaped convicts who steal a couple's car to get out of town. <gasps> yeah, so there's... So he had kind of covered this exact same crime. Oh, that's so Not bad. Not great. And again, he's in California. He's in the area. Uh-huh. There's... I, I haven't seen any alibi for him saying that he didn't do this. Uh-huh. Paul Stein. As I mentioned, he was a medic in the army at the time. Medics were trained to tear off the clothing of a bleeding victim to use as bandages if they did not have access to proper equipment. Yes. Undershirt first, then shirt, then pants if necessary, because like that's the cl- cleanest. Yeah. That being said, the shirt tail was preferred for cleanliness. Because, because it's tucked in pants. It's tucked I in. see. Okay. And the Zodiac tore off the victim's shirt tail. That's the part of the shirt he tore off. You know, interesting connection, but nothing, you know, it could be whatever. Right. More interesting to me, at this point, he's back in California and he's working at a counterculture newspaper called The Good Times. Um, it's like super anti-police. It's uh-huh. just like a very hippy dippy newspaper. <laughs> it's called the Good Fucking Times. Um, okay. The Good Times switchboard was located only yards from the residence <gasps> of Zodiac victim Paul Stein on Fell Street. So he worked very close to where Paul Stein lived, and Geik's cousin lived on Washington Street, which was the street Stein was shot on. Uh huh. In Presidio Heights. In Presidio Heights. Uh-huh. On October 11th, which also happened to be that same cousin's birthday. <gasps> so people are, like, considering this is the only victim where the Zodiac could really choose where and when it happened. Uh-huh. He's a cab driver. Um, they're like, it's quite coincidental that it happened right. yards from his uh-huh. cousin's house right, right, on right. her birthday. Arguably the most damning piece of evidence, Carol, Paul Stein's sister, said Gajkowski attended Paul's funeral. Why is that the most damning? Because they didn't know each other. Oh. There's no other connection other than these two, th- other than these couple of things. That's I'm like, why are you showing up to some dude's spooky. funeral? Okay, yeah, that's why I was confused. Oh my gosh. No, I understand. Um, the Kathleen Johns kidnapping, <laughs> he, she fits. Geik fits the description is right. pretty much the only thing that they connect and okay. he's in the area. Well, I mean she picked out his picture, which is literally Geik's picture. Like she picked the 
this sketch out of a yes. wanted poster. It wasn't a picture of a yes. man. For everyone to know, like, the she wanted poster that she identified as her kidnapper was a sketch, like a composite sketch of yes. an earlier identification by a different person. Which is the one that looks very similar to Geist. Like, exactly, exactly like, like, like it. Exactly like Geist. It's like okay, someone's yeah. face. Okay. <laughs> and then other cipher things, Geist. Uh, again, was a member of this anti-police, pro-violence, counterculture newspaper. He also lived on a commune at the time, so he's very hippy-dippy. Super anti-cops, which if you ever read any of the ciphers uh-huh. or letters, they're all very, like, mocking of police. Yeah, really. There's a lot of similar terminology he calls, like, in, in Good Times. He's now, at some point, he becomes the editor of the Good Times. <gasps> He calls the cops pigs. I mean, boo boos. Okay, that's new. And blue meanies. All are terms that are used in various zodiac letters. Yeah. I mean, pigs is like. Yeah, that's what. That's the only thing I couldn't find a ton of information about. Like, is this just part of the counterculture zeitgeist? Like, sure, is that sure, just sure. normal terminology? Unclear. Wednesday was production day for the weekly Good Times newspaper. Um, so it was like a super busy day for them. And a Zodiac le- letter was never sent on a Wednesday. You know, do with that as you wish. That's crazy. Um, and then the, you know, a piece of evidence that people love to cite. I don't know how much I believe this. Geik. How would you spell Geik? G-I-K-E? Yeah, or so... I see. So it's definitely like a Polish type last name. Sure. It's spelled Gajkowski is spelled G A I K O W S K I. Sure. Gajkowski. Sure. Uh, and he and he had a, he shortened his name like it was a nickname for him, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he either spelled it G I K E uh-huh. or G A I K. Sure. On the most famous Zodiac cipher, the three-part cipher sent on July 31st, 1969, um, there's a part where it says, like, I'm a, I'm gonna, I won't give you my name or something like that. Right. In that part, in the cipher, yeah. so you have all the symbols, yeah. and some of those symbols are letters, yeah. and it spells out G-Y-K-E. And people are like, Geik, he put his name right there. It's the phonetic spelling of it, which, like, you know, is interesting. Geik. But, I don't know. People are like, oh, my God, it's right there. He put his name right there. He's scale of moving with Darlene Farron <laughs> to his Social Security card, I will say it falls closer so to the yes. Social Security number. Yeah. Uh, you know, people really like that idea. Um, that is really well, and they're also saying he chose the cipher specifically because it gave him that. Well, that's which, you know. I mean, okay, sorry, it's not that. Yes. And then the code that went to the Vallejo Times, Harold's Gajkowski's best friend uh-huh. actually works there. So people are like, look, connections. Um, and then other fun little goodies that, you know, might intrigue you there's a break between 1971 and 1974 where no zodiac letters were sent he that period he was in the napa state hospital and people are like that's why he went he silent quote unquote went berserk 
and was um, admitted to the committed to the Napa State Hospital. And people are like, oh, look, it coincides. Um, Pretty not fab. So here's the stuff that doesn't really align. This is why it might not work out. Mm-hmm. Um, his DNA and fingerprints have not been tested against the DNA of the killer. Again, the DNA and the fingerprints are all in question. The fingerprints were pulled from the taxi cab. Right. So a million people could have been in there. And the DNA was from the stamps and, like, the letters. But really anyone could have licked those stamps yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then there's the issue with the Darlene Farron evidence. Um, Ken Narlow confirmed that Gajkowski was there when he was dying of cancer. And so that raises a lot of questions for people. For starters, if Ken really wanted to solve this case, how come he only let out this info right before he died? Like, why why did he keep this a secret? Um not also the fact that Gajkowski was there is not in any significant files that we have access to. So, like, no FBI files or anything say that Gajkowski was there. So this seems to be, like, some secret info that Ken Narlo is hiding, which causes a lot of people to call it into question whether or not it's actually true. And then also, most importantly, if Gajkowski did know Darlene, and for some reason targeted Darlene, uh-huh. does that mean that he should have connections to all the other people or not? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Like, yes. Yeah. They're saying, like, does that mean, yeah, he should have, theoretically, if that's true, he should have connections to all the other people. Yes. That's not saying it's bogus. It's just it raises a lot, of, a lot more questions than it does answers. Two, okay, so that those are the big things. He has no history of violence or arrests. So unlike um, Arthur Lee Allen, who had a big criminal history, Gakowski has no history of violence. Um, he has no history of carrying or owning a gun, as far as we know. Again, you can get guns other ways. Yeah. Um, he you has can no build them now. Yeah. And you Do you can think you can make them. some lego guns nope what Probably. if you just <laughs> throw a lego really hard <laughs> um okay. he has no connection to the crosshair symbols mm. prior to the murders he does go on to use it on his website later in life but people think it's kind of to be like fuck you to the police who are investigating me and yeah accusing me of this fair crime, you know what all sense. right fine and if Fine, you I'll actually, give him that if you went on his website you could click on it and it would get you his email that's kind of cute um Aside, he has connections, obviously, to the San Francisco area, the Bay Area, but the murders that are suspected to be Zodiac down in Riverside or Southern California, Mm -hmm. he has no connection to those. Um, At the time, he was living on a commune, which not super private thing. Um, Right, right. And considering that he would need need the time to write all the letters and the ciphers and to where the costume would change everyone would notably see that he's missing every single time a murder is being <laughs> committed yeah um and then he has no experience with explosives or bomb making and in one of the letters that the zodiac sent there was like detailed descriptions of bomb making again right. 
he does have a military background and right. we don't know exactly what he did but he was a medic not a bomb maker that being said who knows bomb maker i don't know what, <laughs> what do you do i make bombs yeah <laughs> just in my mom's basement i make bombs i work remotely yeah um and gaikowski also has no experience no apparent experience with how to send li- letters without being identified or traced through the postal service okay i guess now that i think about that that's how difficult one. can it fucking be i don't know that's a weird one. All right. Um, and then also a, p- a lot of people with uh, with the Geik code in mm-hmm. the cipher, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, like, it's right where it says, I won't give you my name. So if he won't – if he's, like, literally saying, I won't give you my name. It's, like, very split. Some people are like, look, he's mocking the police saying, I won't give you yeah, my name. Like and then one. giving that his nickname That one's less compelling right as, yeah. like, an expulsionary whatever evidence yeah. thing. Um. And that also, yeah, I don't know. That's all that. Okay. The next is Earl Van Best Jr., who is the subject of the most dangerous animal of all, the book and the FX series, which I heard about this, and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be so compelling. It's going to be fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, they pu- it's a not a self-published book. It's a real published book. Okay. <laughs> which is there are a lot of self-published books about crimes. Sure. And it's by the son of Earl Van Best Jr. So I looked into it. It is total bullshit. I don't know how anyone published (laughs) a book or made a movie movie series on this. Okay. So Gary Stewart uh, is the son of Earl Van Best Jr. Oh, I heard about this one. Yeah. Van Best was a 27-year-old when he met Stewart's mother, Judith Guilford, who was 14 at the time. Uh, Hey, see that? That's called illegal. Um. He married Guilford, and she became pregnant, but she was only 15 by the time she gave birth, um, and he was arrested for... Sorry, where did he get married to her as a 14-year-old? How can you get a legal marriage license? I don't know. Okay. It might have been a parent, or, like, giving permission. Um, He was arrested for pedophilia, fraud, rape, drunk driving, and a bunch of other charges. So he was an all-around bad guy. Van Best was an abusive father for the one month that he was around his oh son. Oh, my God. But that's the one month, the first month his son was alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and oh. he was eventually abandoned. Come on, guys. Er, Stuart, the child, was eventually abandoned and adopted by another family. Judy, in 2002, reached out to him, and that's when he found out about his biological parents. He was watching a crime show one day and saw a sketch of the Zodiac Killer and <gasps> was like, yo, that's my fucking biological father. Which, if you look at the sketch, it's like any white guy with glasses. Yeah, that's fair. But <laughs> I will say Geik looks strikingly Geik does similar. Look like him. But I think that's like a compliment to everything else. I know. Um, I only have like two more guys. It's, uh, we'll go really quickly. Sorry. Um. They look similar. They both loved operas, which is referenced in... The Mikado is an opera that's referenced in Zodiac Letters. He was a fan of ciphers. Um, There is a handwriting match that they said looked very promising, but they matched it to the birth certificate... Or to the marriage certificate, Evan... Or, not Evan. Earl Van Best marriage certificate. He's like, oh, look, it matches, but... Earl Van Best didn't fill out his marriage certificate. Okay. Okay, so that's pretty much all it is. Nothing super significant. Those the are end. the guys. The end. All righty. 
so much to so still much talk to get about. Into. So many cases. This was a good first episode. I do. I feel like we really. It's gonna be nice and long. Our Instagram is at filmnoir.podcast. Our email is filmnoirpodcast at gmail.com. And our Patreon is filmnoirpodcast. And that's film, F-I-L-M, noir, N-O-I-R. Podcast. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. <laughs> Hopefully they can spell podcast. We're really good spellers. You guys can find us on Spotify, iTunes. If you're listening to us, you're All probably... The- all the already platforms. on one of those you've already found us you yeah you even found us We're you good. did it we got caught red-handed with a podcast holding a podcast <laughs> holding <laughs> okay. a microphone we gotta oh go my <laughs> oh my god we really do gotta go <laughs> i need more coffee even though it's 6 p.m we hope everyone enjoyed listeners thanks for bearing with us we're gonna say a secret word and then comment the secret word on our instagram and then we'll know you're a true fan a true fan because they stayed with us through the entire first and the, episode. And the secret word is actually two words. It's going to be animal crackers. And we'll f- we'll follow you back on Instagram. Sure. Yeah, that's fun. That we're, is fun. We're we're hip and cool. We're <laughs> we're hip we and know cool. how to engage with our audience. Oh my gosh. So Literally look out for episode two coming soon to a theater slash podcast near you. you. Good night. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Film Noir Podcast is written and produced by Natalie Choi and Caroline Phillips. Reference to any specific product, individual, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Film Noir. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are interpretations of film and fact and by no means allegations of legal gravity against any entity. If you have any questions or concerns about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at filmnoirpodcast at gmail.com.